this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. It's such a privilege for me and it's so memorable for me to be sharing a message today. Um, God really knows the desires of our heart and this is one of it for me. Um, Yeah, so trust him, he knows the desires of your heart. Um, I want to thank my family and my friends for praying for me and for supporting all my outrageous ideas. Um, And young George, I just want to honor you for the way you serve this church and lead these students um, I've been with Jan George on missions, like he said, and I've learned so much about evangelism and how to reach people's hearts. Um, yeah, so I really look up to you for that. I, hmm. So this message has been on my heart for quite some time, and it started off with my sister sharing a testimony or a story with me. She currently lives in a Middle Eastern country, and she befriended this Muslim lady. And she told me last year when she came to visit that this Muslim lady follows Jesus. She obeys Jesus' commands. She forgives her neighbors who are rude to her. And although she doesn't acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and what she said to me was, Many Christians today acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, but if you look at their lives, this Muslim lady, her life is much closer to someone following Jesus than many Christians today, including myself. So this is quite a hard word to hear, and that made me go back to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and to see what is Jesus actually asking of us. What is the basic commands that Jesus asked of us. So to start off, I want you to turn two to, or in groups of three to each other, and discuss maybe blessings. He will have a good answer for us tonight. What is love? Okay. How do, how do we know, putting you on the spot there, how do we know, how do you know that someone really loves you? So quickly discuss a few reasons. What is love? Okay, so great. That's my message. Um, So we can all just respond to that and pray and praise and worship for the rest of the night. Um, But I've been given 30 minutes, so I will not give that up. Um, I was washing the dishes about a month ago. Well, I wash the dishes more than just monthly. (laughs) Whilst washing the dishes about a month ago, I was thinking, would I still marry a man if I know beforehand that, I, that he will never wash the dishes? Not once, okay? He will not rinse it. He will not dry it. He will not pack it away. I will be the one stuck with dishes after every meal and every family gathering. So that made me rethink my desire to get married. But it also made me wonder if I really love, even if it's not beneficial to me. 
So, the Bible addresses this very thought, and we're going to read in Matthew 5. Thanks, Dan. Um, And Jesus actually says that loving God and loving your neighbor is the most important commandment that we need to follow. And this love that Jesus talks about is painful, it's never-ending, and in this game, you will always lose. Okay, so let's listen to this scripture, and it's quite long, so yeah, keep following, you will, yeah. Okay, Matthew 5, verse 38 to 48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for the ones who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain to the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, you can meditate a few months on this scripture. Um, Here Jesus compares the way that tax collectors and Gentiles, or in other words, unbelievers or sinners, love. And he compares it with the way that we as Christians or followers of Christ ought to love. So he contrasts the way the world acts or reacts in certain circumstances with the way that we as Christians should act and react under the same circumstances. Now the world says, you can go on to the next slide then, the world says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. A get what you deserve type attitude. Um, This speaks about taking judgment into your own hands or causing suffering to someone that has caused you to suffer. And don't we see that a lot in South Africa today? Um, Especially in Joburg. I think living in Joburg is a gift from God. It's probably one of the most toughest training grounds for a Christian. And I love driving with, especially in traffic, and I love driving with my Christian friends because you see all sorts of personalities come out when people are in traffic or when they encounter a few taxis or broken traffic lights. No, Jan George? No? It's, it's almost as if loving one another and giving someone the benefit of the doubt or forgiving one another all just fly out of the window 
when you're in your car and on the road, right? The world also says, love, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy and love those who love you. And if you greet only your brothers. So here Jesus speaks about easy loving, right? Loving those who love you. Loving those who cares about you, who treats you well, who speak to you in a respectful way. And if I look at those things and I look at my heart, then familiar phrases come up. And perhaps you can help me fill in the blanks um, or even relate to it. It's phrases like, only if. He doesn't. Why should I? Not now. I have already. I have already forgiven. I have already given you a chance. I have already. Not again. All of these are valid, but all of them conditional. And the love that Jesus requires is a love without reward, without border, without rule. Jesus requires a love without terms and conditions. Now, as usual, and as we see throughout Scripture, Jesus comes and he comes against all man-made arguments, all man-made ideas or reasons. He comes with, but I say, yes, you have heard that it was said. Yes, you have seen others react in this way. Yes, we all have rights and we are entitled to our portion. Yes, all of that. But I say, I say, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. The love Jesus requires says, even if. Even if. Love, even if you get hurt. Love, even if it's going to cost you something. Love, even if it means that you have to sacrifice your time and effort for it. That is the standard. One of the most difficult things is probably to love someone that has hurt you in the past or to love someone that do not regard your feelings at all. But Paul writes in Colossians that we should bear with one another, forgiving one another. And he writes in Philippians saying, what does he say in Philippians? Count each other higher or more significant than yourself. And to me, that is not at all a fuzzy, warm feeling. I ask myself the question whether I treat 
and love someone who has hurt me the same way I treat and love someone who has not hurt me. Because that is the heart that Jesus requires. Jesus requires a love that says, in spite of pain, in spite of disappointment, in spite of humiliation, I will love and I will serve. In verse 40, you can jump to your slides, Dan. Well, one back, one back. Um, in this scripture, Jesus says, If anyone should sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And he's speaking about possessions. So this asks me the question, whether I rank possessions higher than relationships or people. Which one do I regard as more valuable? And more than tangible possessions like money or food or a car or whatever resource of which the Bible says we must give freely and without reluctance, apart from the tangible possessions, we should ask ourselves whether we can delight in the prosperity of others. Can we delight in the gain and the happiness and the achievements of others? And can we do that without jealousy or resentment or bitterness? It gets more difficult when that person has something that you do not have, especially if you do not have it because of unfair circumstances, the color of your skin, poverty, or a lack of opportunities. Jesus touches also on sacrificial love. And this is the area where I normally fall short. Um, I'm quite willing and eager to offer my help. But the moment my help is required longer than or more than I signed up for, then suddenly my heart resists. And my attitude towards the person or the task suddenly changes. But there's a beautiful example of this in the Old Testament. And it's in Genesis 29 verse 20. don't know if I got it up there. Um, and it speaks about Jacob that served seven years to get Rachel. It's in Genesis 29 or 20. Um, Jacob served seven years for Rachel's father to get to marry her. So she was the, the reward for his hard work. Only to get at the seventh year, being tricked into marrying her older sister Leah, who apparently had beautiful eyes, so, but tricked into marrying his, her sister Leah and then had to work another seven years for Rachel. And it says there that... Um, Jacob served for seven years, but it only seemed like a few days to him because of his love for her. Now, who would not want to be loved like that? So it's clear from Matthew 5 that the love that Jesus requires and commands is without reward, is without condition, and is without end. 
So perhaps it's easy for you. Perhaps it's easy to love in the small and the daily things. To offer a Saturday to serve at a community. To share what you have, your food or your money with others. For your colleagues to take credit for something you did. Perhaps it's still possible to forgive a friend who gossiped behind your back. But Jesus places no terms and no conditions on the love and the forgiveness that we ought to give. Jesus asks us to pray for those who persecute us. Jesus asks us to visit those in prison who took innocent lives. Jesus asked the girl who was raped to forgive the man that raped her. And not only forgive him for the act, but forgive him for the consequences that she might have to carry because of that. And it's at that point where I ask, isn't that too much? Jesus, isn't that too much and too unreasonable to ask? So, why? Why is God asking this from us? And the reason is, God asks us to love selflessly, unconditionally, because that is who he is. That is how he loves. That is what he does. And we are image bearers of God. We must represent him on earth. In verse 40, in the same scripture of, of Matthew, it says that you should obey all these commandments and you should love like this so that you can be sons of your Father who is in heaven, who sends rain on the evil or makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain to the just and to the unjust. So God loves without T's and C's. God's love is for anyone and everyone under any circumstances. God makes the sun rise on the murderer the same way he makes the sun rise on the one who did not murder. And God sends rain to the fields of the blasphemer and the fields of the atheist in the same way that he sends rain to the field of the believer. God loves those who hate him. God gave everything for them. God did that knowing that his sacrifice of human pain and loss and much time and effort might not be returned to him. So God is simply asking us to show the world who he is. And when we glorify God in that way, we do not only represent him, show the world who he is, we also draw attention to him. It says in John 13 verse 34, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 
And this really challenged me. I'm normally the first one and super eager to go on missions and do outreaches and stand here today. But when it comes to the daily living and the daily loving, I'm not so willing always. And Jesus say, says clearly that that is the way people will know by loving one another, that you are my disciples. And in the same way, the story of Jacob and Rachel creates a desire in my heart to be loved like Rachel, that someone will be willing to give so many years of their lives for me. The same way, I believe that the world will look at our lives and our story and, and the same desire would be created in their hearts to be loved like that. So when we love others and when we obey God's commandments, we represent him on earth, we show the world who he is, and we also take part and have a responsibility um, for people to get to know God, for people to be saved. But the wonderful thing is, God knows that when we love and when we forgive and obey, our hearts become free. Free from anger and resentment, jealousy, bitterness, free from all the things that will inevitably destroy us. Not only spiritually and emotionally, but even physically. Now, my new um, brother-in-law um, shared a story of a Syrian refugee. So this man was tortured for a few months um, before he left Syria. And my brother-in-law and another friend of his um, became friends with this man. And I actually asked him to, to tell the story because he's such a good storyteller. Um, yeah, and if we can just play that, Daniel. Our friend had been tortured for about six months, electrical, pulled out teeth, stuff like that. And when I met him, you know, he had difficulty understanding simple concepts and you know, stuff like that. You had to explain stuff to him very simply because, because of the torture and the trauma, he... You know, his capacity to understand was like a child's. But when, yeah, and his ability to remember new things and old things was very diminished. And so we'd been working with him for a while, and one day a friend of mine challenged him to forgive the men who tortured him, person by person, and if you hear names, even forgive them by name. And he sat and he cried for a good five, ten minutes, silently, and when he was done, he looked at us and said, I have forgiven them. And you could see him relax and seem better but as the months passed you could quickly see his 
the restoration of his mental capacity. He could remember things, and he could understand things, and he could explain things. And you know, he went from you know the mental capacity of I'd say about a six-year-old to that of a normal adult within about six or eight months. So it wasn't instantaneous, but it was miraculous. And that was because he forgave. Yeah. I want to be able to forgive like that man. I want to be able to live and love like that guy. I want a home where we love each other like that. I want to be part of a church where we love like that. I want to live in a country where we love one another like that. I asked my father if he had the opportunity today um, to share a message with a group of students or leaders, what he will say. And a man of not many words. So he simply said, compassion. That will make or break our country. And therefore we have this tension. We have this tension of seeing the need for this love that, that God expects of us, seeing the need in our country and seeing the need in our homes, seeing the standard that Jesus set for us versus our humanity and our inability to love like that. So it brings me to my last question. How? How am I able to love like that? How am I able to live up to the standard that God set and be a rightful ambassador for him? And the answer is, I'm not able. We're not able. But God is. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. And that is grace. God not only set the standard for love, but through Jesus Christ he reached the standard and he's freely offering you and I the reward for it. Jesus wrote the test and he scored the highest A and is giving the exemption to you and me. And grace do not only covers our inability to love like that or our failure to obey God's commandments, but grace also enables us to do God's will. In Philippians 2 verse 13 it says, For it is God who works you in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's a work of God. It's God that makes us willing, and it's God that makes us able to be loved like that. We, as children of God, also carries the DNA of our Heavenly Father. When we surrender our lives to him, and when we receive Jesus as our Savior, God comes and he changes our nature to his nature. And that means genetically, we are able to love like God expects of us. We are able genetically 
to do the impossible. Like Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We cannot love with no D's and C's unless we know and have a revelation of the love that God has for us. So today, I want to remind you of that love. And if you want, you can even close your eyes. God's love is everlasting. God's love never ends. God's love is like a tsunami that rushes, all-powerful, relentless, and covers everything in its sight. God has given everything for you. God has given his Son And that was enough for all your sins and all your brokenness. God has done all that for you, irrespective and regardless of your reaction, regardless of your response. God loves rhetorically.